Welcome to Boston Private Perspectives. I'm your host, Edward Marshall, Managing Director at Boston Private. My co-host today is my colleague uh, from our commercial bank, Lisa Allen. Lisa is a senior member of our team who specializes in serving family offices, business owners, and corporate executives. Thanks, Lisa. Today, we have three uh, guests who will share their insights around keeping the mindset of a champion during a pandemic. Our guests have distinguished careers in and around the world of professional sports. Two of our guests have played at the pinnacle of their respective sports, and one of our guests has supported elite athletes as a specialized mental health professional. We'll discuss the impact of the pandemic on youth and professional sports, mental health issues facing athletes, and look to the future of a post-COVID-19 world and the changes to expect in professional sports. Uh, our guests today are Dr. Mark Stonkis, a licensed mental health counselor and performance specialist, Rob Ninkovich, former New England Patriot and ESPN NFL analyst, Jillian Dempsey, current NWHL player with the Boston Pride and a school teacher. So let's start with some uh, introductions. Mark, kick us off with a little bit about your background. <laughs> you chose the one with, with uh, the lack of professional athletic experience. It's good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I run a, a, a facility down on the South Shore in um, Norwell called the Success Institute for Brain and Body Development. And it's, it's really a formulation of um, high performance training from a mental and a physical uh, uh, combination for athletic, corporate, academic, and tactical populations. And I've been blessed over the years to have um, studied under some um, local sports psychologists uh, in Boston, Steve Durant uh, via BC High and our, our connections there, and then Dr. Len Zykowski, um at BU, who I studied under for my graduate work, and uh, taking what I learned from them and being able to mix it in with a strength and conditioning programming and fitness programming at our facility allows us a chance to really work with high performers from a lot of different angles and be as efficient as possible in doing so. So it's um, it's kind of a it's a, a joy to kind of put a lot of uh, you know years of I guess experience and, and learning and, and mentoring into action. So. Happy to be here and really excited to to learn from um, Rob and Jillian. Thanks, Mark. So, Rob, uh, over to you. Uh, give us a little bit about your background and then uh, tell us about what you're working on today. Yeah, great. Hello, everybody. Um, so, a little bit about myself. Uh, born and raised in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, you know, hardworking family, blue collar, middle class. Um, you know, just was raised with good values that I think helped me um, in my career in athletics. And at a young age, I really didn't know that I would be a professional athlete. I mean, I had dream, dreams and aspirations like most young kids do. Um, but I really had to work extra hard and, and put a lot of effort into um, maximizing my abilities. That's one of the things that I like to tell kids, especially um, that everyone's got a gift. Everyone has a certain thing. And if you really maximize your God-given talents, there's no ceiling to where you can go really. So for me, um, athletics, football specifically was kind of my passion. Um, was drawn in at a young age and really just put everything that I had into it. And along the way, was able to go to Purdue University and you know get a great education. And then after that, being drafted into the NFL, um, had some ups and downs with some injuries and overcoming adversity with being cut. Um, 
It wasn't an easy road, but eventually landed in New England. And I guess the rest is history with playing here a long time and winning some Super Bowls and um, just experiencing, um, I guess, what would be a, a validation, I guess, of all the hard work. I mean, a lot of guys can't say that they've won Super Bowls. I think that's like the pinnacle of anything in in sports is when you can say you're a champion. So, um, yeah, that's I mean, that's me in a nutshell, I guess. I. <laughs> Um, just really fell in love with the game. And I think that the, the discipline aspect and the things that you learn, um, through athletics can really shape a person to being successful off the field. And once I retired, I realized that I had a lot more to give and a lot more things I wanted to dive into. So, um, I guess I retired pretty young. I was 32, but I was ready to move on and um, now I work in the media industry and did some things in the past with Boston Private, which was awesome. And, um, you know, now working on a few other things. But it's it's fun just to to know that I lean on a lot of those values that I learned through sports. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. Uh, Jillian, uh, give us a snapshot of your professional background and your, your athlete, uh, athletic background as well. Yeah, so I'm actually local local kid, born and raised here in Massachusetts and Winthrop. Um, I loved hockey from a young age, really passionate about playing sports. Um, you know, our, my parents, uh, you know, made great sacrifices, supported us and everything. And I, I played youth hockey in my hometown of Winthrop and was fortunate to go play for the Ossipit Valley Girls Program out in Concord, Massachusetts. I attended the River School out in Weston and was able to live my dream playing Division One hockey at Harvard University. And I'm now going into my seventh professional season of women's hockey. So um, I've, I've had quite the journey, loved all of my experiences with it. You know, similar to what Rob was saying, the values of hard work and passion and overcoming different challenges along the way, overcoming adversity and you know, putting your whole heart and soul in, into what you're passionate about it, it has led me to where I am today. And um, that is pretty much it in a nutshell. And I'm, I'm continuing. I'm still playing right now for the Boston Pride. And right now for teaching, we're in a remote learning model, but we're we're making gains and we're making growth every day still. So well, uh, thanks. happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks, Jillian. Well, let's let's jump into our questions, and I think uh, Jillian's uh, background there fits into what we're talking about today in terms of the this period of during coronavirus. We'll, we'll certainly talk about after coronavirus, but let, let's talk about that first, Rob. In terms of your sport, how do you see uh, you know COVID nineteen affecting your sport long term? Well, I mean, so. Kind of a tricky question because there's so many levels to my sport um my biggest concern would be for the younger kids who unfortunately had missed out on a full season um or aren't able to participate we all know that football in general has has kind of declined in in people participating in because we know the the risks involved but when you look at this year specifically for some seniors in high school and um, kids that are really missing out on a year to continue to develop and, and to get better, 
Um, I think that that is going to be the biggest impact moving forward. The professional level, I, re- I really don't think it's going to affect anybody that much. Um, just because guys are at the top of their game, they're still developing, but it's not as drastic as say, you know, like myself, a junior to senior, my big, my jump in college from junior to senior was pretty drastic. So um, if I didn't have the ability to go out there and show scouts and people that I've improved a lot in one year, I wouldn't have made it into the NFL. So I feel bad for um, kids that, that are missing out on that opportunity and potentially some guys will have missed an opportunity to jump to the next level because of that. So um, I think psychologically there could be some things happening with players because they've lost that, that thing that drives them to be successful. I know for myself, the the sports and being a good athlete kind of was, it was hand in hand with me continuing to be do well in the classroom. It was my motivation because I knew if I didn't do well, I, if I didn't do well in the classroom, I wouldn't be on the field. So um, I had said this before on television that my concern for some colleges and some high school kids is if they don't play, you know, do they have that same thing that keeps them making the right decisions and staying out of trouble and putting school first? Um, so I think that that is particularly the challenge right now is trying to motivate these kids and help kids that haven't had a football season. I think long term that could, could potentially affect guys in their careers. But as far as the pro level, um, I, don't, I don't think it's affecting guys as much, but I, I do worry about the younger kids that are playing. Have you seen anybody in any school or any organization try to do something to, to mitigate some of those effects for, for younger players? Yeah. So, um, I was just on a, a podcast, um, uh, my buddy, um, Mitch who used to play in the NFL runs a offensive lineman camp in Colorado. And he, because Colorado canceled their high school season for, for most seniors, he has done kind of like a film camp like kids come into his training facility and they go through the process it's not, it's kind of like game film but they're not playing obviously they're not playing they don't have pads on but i think it helps them continue to to have a faith or a hope that they might continue their career um so when, when he's doing this i think it encourages these kids to actually be better and grow instead of just saying, all right, well, it's over. So I think he's, he's trying to do something here to motivate kids. And, and it's, it's, it's important. And I watch his Instagram stories every day and there's a ton of kids in there working out. And when you're, when you're a high school kid and you have a passion or a dream and you want to continue your career, um, it, it's a tough trend. It's a tough point in your life because you don't know where you're going. You don't know the direction. I have a 17 year old nephew right now there's a space here to try and help kids out and whatever it is, as far as, um, support, you know, talking to kids. Um, I try to text my nephew every day, you know, before games, try and cheer him up, say, Hey man, how you doing today? Um, I think it's communication right now, especially is lacking with the younger generation. This kind of leads into our, our next question, which is really for all of you is what effect has the pandemic had on the accessibility of youth youth sports 
and the safe places they've created for youth development. Jillian, do you want to start with that? Yes, of course. Um, I was actually fortunate to be able to coach a little bit this summer. It obviously looked quite different than normal. And we had, you know, tires out on the ice separating kids, you know, try, really trying to keep that safe social distancing and whatnot. But with hockey specifically, you know, being inside the rink and you have an allotted time slot and you're in um, pretty close contact in the locker room. And, you know, hockey already requires so much in terms of uh, equipment and um, when you show up to the rink, it's not like some of the other sports where you can just hop outside and go to the park or, you know, do some of the, you know, you can rollerblade and meet those needs in other ways, but for actually being on the ice and at the rink, there are already so many um, restrictions and with the virus and, um, you know, everything that's been going on for the past seven, eight months now. It definitely has limited rink access and, um, you know, the it's limited the number of people who can be on the ice at one time. And it's just significantly decreased that opportunity for young hockey players to get into the rinks. Um, and, you know, the nice thing was it wasn't our main season. It wasn't like it was hockey season. And I actually do think it's good to take the break in the summer for um, young players. And, and to play other sports and try to, um, you know, have that range of athletic ability and play on, on different teams and with different teammates. But, you know, it definitely was a challenge for so many of the youth players to just have their seasons abruptly end and then not be able to get back on the ice for, for such a long period of time. And, um, you know, because sports is, a source of joy and it's a hobby and it's something people look forward to. I, I definitely see how that has negative effects on some of the younger kids who aren't able to have that outlet to, to do what they love and to be with their friends and, you know, getting that daily exercise. So of course, you know, it's been hard to see how, how this has negatively affected so many kids and, in my experience teaching, it's, it's similar. The classroom was, it well is a place where students love to come to and come to learn and they're with their friends and they have that interaction. And right now it's, you know, it's been a challenge, I think, for them to learn from the computer and to not have all of those benefits of being in the classroom together. And um, like Rob mentioned, sports and school, they, they go hand in hand. And so, um, you know, having those, those experiences in school and, you know, they're not getting those right now and maybe having limited sports right now, it's, it's definitely, uh, tough to, to find ways to create those opportunities for them in the current state of everything. Um, agreed. Dr. Stankis, what are you seeing when you're out in seeing the environment for the youth? Um, definitely different in a lot of different areas. There are some um, communities in some states that have shut everything down and other states are, are kind of following um, a different course and trying to open it up and, and um, uh, 
run as much as they can. So it's it's a real, I would say, strenuous time to really try to keep to what the the, the normal progression in sport and kind of has always been. So I think the availability to organize sport has been compromised. The opportunity there is then to create availability for um, those kids and those athletes to continue to progress as um, athletes in, in, again, different ways, strength, skill, um, speed work, uh, finding unique ways to, to continue to, to improve and not just settle into a uh, state of stagnation. Um, and that'll probably lead into some of our other questions when it comes to what could happen when they, when they do fall into that trap. So um, I hope that communities and coaches and parents are doing everything they can to recognize how important sport is, how important practice is, how important exercise is, and working within the constraints of guidelines and restrictions to try to find ways to give to give athletes, you know, the opportunity to continue to uh, access whatever they can to improve and to have that release. Great. Uh, thanks, Mark. You know, in terms of the pandemic affecting and impacting mental health, uh, you know, Mark, how have you seen this? I mean, we, we've talked about this in the past in terms of how uh, both athletes young and, and, and more experienced have been coping with adversity. How, how have you seen some of that play out? Yeah, so everybody, there are always varying degrees to how people respond to adversity. And um, for some Honestly, I see both both sides of the spectrum. For some, on there are a lot of athletes that have been on the verge of burnout. They've been pushed to you know maybe specialize in one sport, and the and the demands of the sport and the academics are getting them almost to the point where they stop liking the sport or wanting to quit the sport. I've seen it in college, in high school, um, and so this might give those athletes a time to regenerate a little bit and reset and and uh, have a little bit of a break from that, so they don't they don't turn the off switch, uh, too early. And then others, this is a, a crisis. It's kind of panic time, um, where they feel like their opportunities are being compromised, where they feel like their, their, um, their identity is being taken, um, their schedule, their routine, their source of enjoyment. Um, all of those, th those benefits of sport are real for them. So for athletes, and this is a unique time, right? I think the only reference point we have or that I've heard is the the flu of 1918, and that was, I think that was less than 30 years since from when basketball was actually invented, and the only pro sport in Boston was uh, the the Red Sox. So 1918, there there weren't as many athletes. It wasn't that much of an impact on sports and on athletes. So this is the first time in history that athletes have been forced to manage, you know, a pandemic um, of this magnitude, and and if it is something that sport can be very rewarding. Sport is very gratifying and our brains have our, our reward center is, is uh, fueled by this, this neurotransmitter called dopamine. And it's that thing that gives you that little rush. And I'm sure Jillian and Rob could speak to that thing. When you sack somebody, score a goal, when you run onto a field and people are cheering for you, that, that dopamine, that, that feeling can be very addictive and it can be a chemical addiction in your brain too. So, when that's gone, you can end up with the, the, the kind of the, 
the consequences of addiction. When it's gone, there can be this feeling of withdrawal, this feeling of anxiety, this feeling of depression that could lead into finding other ways to reward yourself, which could be substance use and abuse and, and other kind of maladaptive ways of coping with it. So there's a big challenge right now in trying to find ways to continue to for athletes to continue to find ways to reward themselves, to feel successful, to feel that little bit of uh, that kind of natural high that comes from uh, sport and comes from performance, comes from success and, and gives you that little boost of dopamine and serotonin to, to prevent uh, really falling into the grips of some high levels of anxiety and depression and isolation and anger. Um, so that's a lot of the work right now is really helping athletes cope with the realities of this situation so they don't um, uh, fall too deep into those those areas. So, Rob, you know, from a you know a former practitioner uh, to somebody who's want you know uh, you know analyzing it today, how have you seen uh, you know, athletes at, at your at your level and in your sport, and maybe even other sports, uh, deal and have uh, uh, with some of the adversity of uh, that that can result from this, especially on the mental health. I mean, I think mental health is, it's like a taboo subject for most male athletes to even talk about, um, you know, football very much so is a culture of tough, tough guys that don't have any problems. You know, that's why the whole concussion thing's an issue because nobody wants to say they got their bell rung. No one wants to come out of the game. No one wants to say they're hurt. No one wants to say anything. They don't want to, um, open up and and really say anything to anybody about mental health and i think that that is a very critical thing that needs to change as far as the male athlete um you know that sense of apathy that some of these guys have um when they retire or they don't have what they used to have and i say it all the time um guys that don't that guys that want to go until the wheels fall off and they don't know when it's time to go out. Um, I, I feel almost more, um, I'm sad for because when, when you're a, a athlete and I know being an athlete because I've been there, um, when you are in the middle of it and you put yourself in a position of, I'm pushing myself to the best of my abilities to make sure that I go out here year in and year out and I'm not replaced by some younger, cheaper option, and I live up to the expectations of what a city or your family or a school or people that are fans of you expect you to be, that's a very, very tough position to be in. And also when you're done, that what am I? You know, what am I? Am I an athlete? Am I this? And I think a lot of guys struggle with that definition when they look at themselves in the mirror after sports are over what what they are and um you know mental health and being able to just talk about your mental health with somebody or if you need help and you have to reach out not having that fear of oh, will i be judged um you know dak prescott i think came out and said that he went and talked to somebody got some help because he was having some issues and i you know was like wow i I really commend him for coming out and doing that um, because that needs to be more of a point of emphasis for some of these younger athletes 
to not internalize some of their feelings, which could eventually be uh, destructive to their own health. Um, and I mean, I can tell you when I once I could you can feel your career changing and shifting. At the end of my career, I was ready to be something else. I was I was ready to kind of let go of all the the pressure and all the things that are that come with being a pro athlete and the expectations. Um, and I know, granted, some of that is with you know your ability to provide. Which as a man, I think that a lot of us are, at a young age are told the men provide for the family. Um, you know, for me, I put myself in a position I. Had provided for my family i was in a good place and i was a father so i think that that was my number one thing like i, I want to be a dad like when i looked in the mirror i saw i want to be like the best dad the best dad so um you know for me I, my, I switched my identity changed from like i'm a athlete to like i don't i want to be present and i want to be around and some guys get caught up in that world of professional athlete, which that, that never lasts forever. That always ends. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. That is going to end. So young athletes or athletes in general that are in the pros right now need to prepare themselves accordingly to move on from it. And if they have some issues with that, not be afraid to reach out to somebody to, to speak with somebody. I've spoke, I, at one point in my career, talked to somebody because I was like, look, I have all this pressure on me to perform and to provide and, you know, it helped me. And then I had a different perspective on things and I made a complete change mentally and it really helped me. So I think it's vital for, for athletes, especially male athletes to realize that it's not, um, it's not disgraceful to ask for help. And I would, I would add that, Go ahead. that I think sometimes athletes get brought up mistaking the notion of of confidence as perfection and, and as almost like independence like you don't need to ask for help you you should be able to get this on your own you know if i if i raise my you know we, I, we get that as kids in class too you raise your hand and teacher says hey does everyone understand this and you don't know but you're afraid of, of what we think if you raise your hand and say you don't know the real confident and what i see from the, the champion mindset the ones that raise their hand and say Teacher, I have no idea what you're talking about. Can you go over that again? Or coach, I'm lost. You lost me. Let's do, can I, can I get a little more extra uh, time with you or some film time on that? Being able to ask for help is not a weakness. And being able to, and I, I totally echo what Rob is saying, being able to get, you know, whether it be perspective, you can call it whatever you want. I think sometimes people think mental health means that you're crazy or there's a stigma of you being mentally weak or, or uh, um, some of the, the, the Hollywood portrayals of, of uh, uh, mental illness, but it, it, there are, and there are certainly levels of and degrees of mental health and mental illness. But a lot of times, you can prevent getting deeper into those degrees by being confident enough to ask for help and to ask for um, some coaching or perspective on ways to manage your emotions, ways to manage the, the the stressors that you have in your life, ways to manage the relationships that you have in your life, ways to manage the the setbacks, the adversities, the the, the kind of the new variables that show up at every level of success. So um, athletes, if they can learn anything, you know, real confidence is going to be having that strength to, to be vulnerable and recognize that help is asking for help is an incredible advantage. And it's usually why I think some of the best athletes are the ones that are in the front row at every meeting, hands up at every meeting. And um, again, doing what Rob did, being willing to, to check in when 
uh, they recognize the need for it. So, uh, Jillian, uh, you know, Mark and Rob talked about handling some of the barriers that come up um, in in their respective areas. Uh, what about you know looking towards positivity and and that motivation piece? Like, how do you how do you work with athletes, or or do you see athletes doing this well in normal times, let alone uh, during a pandemic? I set up a small home gym with some some basic weights and. Um, necessary pieces of equipment. So that has, for me, been my saving grace when when the gyms closed and when I couldn't be in the rink. And I personally just tried to focus my attention on on my training that, that was within my control. Obviously, as a routine-oriented person, getting everything disrupted in that way was an adjustment. And I was fortunate to be able to get those items and have that option, um, you know, and not and not worry about my job. I know a lot of people had that economic hardship to think about, and um, obviously, our my school setting of teaching changed, and that was challenging by itself. But I was able to focus my my energy and my efforts on my training at home and being able to teach my students remotely. So I think you know as Robin, um, uh, I say Dr. Stonkis, um, brought up, you know, it's, it's hard as an athlete when so much of what you do is, is on your sport. And if that's affected or taken away, it can be a challenge to, to kind of re-identify yourself or to find something else to focus on. But, you know, for me in that situation, I was able to focus more on that training and on some recovery time and, and just really trying to take a step back and find new ways to adjust and, and try to stay focused on, on getting better every day. But through my experience still playing now, um, you know, I think it, it's, it was important to stay connected to teammates and check in on each other and um, continue to, to try to focus on whenever that opportunity will come to play again, to be ready. And that was something that I tried to stay grounded on, stay grounded in throughout the past, um, you know, that, that entire time off outside of the rink and while um, people were encouraged to stay home. So um, in terms of the athlete side, that was kind of my experience and some of my teammates um, going through that. I think just trying to stay focused on what you can control and not get lost or discouraged by or upset about those things that, that are beyond our control. Jillian, I think you bring up a, a really good point. And I, um, I know as a mom of two college athletes, I had to buy a Peloton to keep everyone kind of focused and not going crazy during the, the big quarantine months. But um, uh, Nick, I wanted to ask you something. When how have you had to rebrand yourself over the past few months? Well, I mean, everyone's been affected differently through this whole thing. Last year, um, I signed a two-year contract with ESPN. Last year, I really enjoyed what I was doing. Um, and then when COVID came, it kind of like disrupted the whole that whole thing with studio time and the show that I was working on um, changed. So. You know, this year in particular, I was working, I'm working from home on Fridays. Um, 
And then I go into studio on Sundays and it really isn't what it was last year as far as the things that I was doing. Um, so at, do I like it as much? No, I don't. I, I'll just be honest. I don't, but I think it, the one thing that this COVID did make me do, and that, it kind of pushed me to like, look at other avenues, other things that I'm interested in. Um, because if I'm, if I'm not going to do the media thing, it's not going to last forever anyway. So, um, let me kind of dive into some other things. Um, and then I can make the best decision moving forward where I want to be, what I want to get into. Um, I, I always was a big fan of going into something that I really wasn't sure of and having a good mentor and trying to learn the most that I could. Um, so right now I'm looking at some motorsport stuff, um, looking at some places in New Hampshire. Um, there's Mom's Motorsports in Foxborough. The owner is Joel. He's really smart, really good guy. He's got a master's in finance. So um, just trying to grab his coattails a little bit, learn from him, just see the ins and outs of the business and something that I enjoy. And I, I feel like that's number one for everyone listening or any athlete. You have to do what you enjoy and what you have a passion about. If you don't love something and you don't really enjoy it, it's really, really hard to give all your effort and all your time into it. Um, and being around Boston private and having running into a lot of successful people, my number one question to most is, well, how'd you get here? Like, I want to know your story because for the most part, there's a lot of passion. There's a lot of love and there's a lot of time. There's a lot of commitment. So very rarely do you run into somebody that's very successful. And they're like, yeah, I just hit the lottery, you know, didn't really do much and it worked out. Um, it's very rare. Most of the time it's mortgage my house. I had no money at first. I slept on the floor. I was in my office 24 hours a day and then it took off. So that's the stuff I like to hear. I like to hear those stories. And for me right now, I think that it's kind of given me a motivation to not be comfortable and, and continue to pursue different things. So if you were talking to college and high school athletes right now, what advice would you give to them with the challenges they're facing? I would say number one, don't be discouraged. Um, don't don't get discouraged that this this particular moment is what the rest of the future will look like because things are going to get back to normal. Um, the, the the timeline on that obviously is not known, but um, I'd say number one, be patient and and don't don't get too discouraged. Um, Number two, I would probably tell them whatever passion or whatever you have in your mind that where you want to be, don't let this stop you in your in your progress and where you want to go. This is just a little bump. Everyone has a bump. Now, this particular thing is literally everyone is going over the bump together. Most times, hit, everyone hits a speed bump at a different point in their life at a different time, and nobody really knows it. Right now. Um, we know, okay, right now, if you're an athlete or right now, if you're, um, if you own a bar right now, if you're in a restaurant industry, you're taking a big hit. So to be mentally encouraged and try to put yourself in a position of this isn't forever. <clears throat> so don't, don't be like, don't be discouraged in the fact that at some point 
when this gets back to normal, I need to be ready to go and to take advantage of whatever opportunity is there. And life to me is a series of windows. Some of them are open, some of them are closed. And when you go towards the window, it might close on you and you bounce off of it and you come back around and then you hit another window and it's wide open and you take it and you go with it. So I would say to be patient, be ready to go when this thing bounces back. Don't be so discouraged and at a disadvantage because you didn't use your time wisely. Um, it's in, it's vital that uh, everyone right now takes the time to make sure that they have a game plan in place where they're doing something that improves whatever it is. And, you know, you talk about if you're an athlete and you can't go to the gym, well, you got to find different ways to be ready to go when things get back on in place or you're not so far off that you look like, you know, you never played anything. Um, and just like if you were a doctor, lawyer in school, um, doing extra reading, doing things that set you apart, than just a content, okay, everything's, I, I'm not going to do anything. Um, staying active that I think that's very, very important for your mental health as well. Uh, I know if you just stay to yourself, you don't go out, you don't, as far as like not doing something that you feel is productive is, is probably the worst thing you can do. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. You know, Mark, I think one of the things that we have a pretty diverse listener base and, and we'll have folks on that are entrepreneurs, uh, business owners, and I think there's a lot of corollaries um, that you know we had discussed before between elite athletes and other elite performers. Um, you know, is there? Do you see some of that bleed over into the business world or clients that you work with that are in those? In, you know, in the executive world. I mean, are there lessons that can be learned and carried over from the ice, from the field, from the pitch to the boardroom? That's a great question. When it comes to how the mind of an athlete compares to other arenas right and for for our institute we have a um we're fortunate to be teaming up with a um a property management company called fox rock properties and we're in norwell and we, we we have set up in their corporate park in norwell so that we can do just that we can work with our athletes during their schedules and work with um corporate executives and employees during their schedule and adding um a combination of all those things so there's really, I would say there's very little, if any, variation between the mindset of an elite athlete and an elite corporate executive and employer, employee. <laughs> Perhaps the biggest difference is probably the, the body, right? There's um, <laughs> substantial uh, variation there. But the mind itself and the mindset is something that I see in high performers in all domains in all fields and that mindset is usually something that is cultivated through and i won't say adversity like pandemic adversity this is a certain kind of unique aspect of it but just the grind adversity the the for athletes it's the the early mornings the late nights the practices it's the the losing it's the winning it's the getting yelled at it's the injuries it's the pain of training and it's the blisters and for uh, corporate, um, the corporate sector, it's the same thing. It's the it's the the hours spent studying. It's the grind of the travel. It's the grind of getting up early and and meeting late and being on you know twenty four seven call responses and and um, 
the again the pressure and the challenge of closing deals and 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 managing staff and responding to management so there's a a huge correlation to those worlds and what this opportunity this this pandemic certainly is a high level of adversity maybe one of the highest and probably the highest for many corporations that are struggling through it or had to had to succumb to it or others that are trying to fight through it. Um, but like Jillian said, the, the, the opportunity for developing that optimistic mindset and to develop, I guess it was 2006 or seven, Carol Dweck wrote a book, book called Mindset. And then that was about growth and fixed mindset. And then 2016 or 17, Angela Duckworth wrote a book, book called Grit. And both of those books promoted this like we need this generation or generations to be grittier and to be more resilient and to be able to persevere and that isn't really new stuff i think Calvin coolidge has a great quote on that you know 100 years ago um but you need adversity in order to develop perseverance and grit you can't get it if you don't have adversity and you can't get that the ability to overcome so you know it, it could be um uh the ability to to kind of withstand you know difficult times or the ability to find opportunity and advantage in difficult times the marines call it adapt uh, adapt and overcome but this is a unique time for people to create an advantage there's generally no we don't change without challenge and this challenge itself is offering us a chance to change it's changing the way we communicate and we got to find ways to you know not fall into the trap of just saying, I can't do this, right? And and I think, and sadly, I fear that we have some generations, what's the best way to say that? I've seen a lot of examples of people blaming the environment. And, and when I've seen, you know, kids blame coaches or parents blame coaches when kids don't get playing time. I've seen parents blame teachers when kids get a B or a C. I've seen uh, employees bl blame managers when they're not getting their promotion or they're not kind of getting the the uh, uh, the job that they want. I've seen a lot of people blaming again coaches and almost threatening to sue if they don't get playing time and and um, uh, their fair shake, so to speak. But this is an opportunity, really. You can either blame the environment or you can beat it. All right, and you can you can create an advantage in this. It doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. This is a chance for. Um, corporations to really understand human behavior, really understand human motivation, really understand what teamwork is, do a lot of work towards team building, do a lot of work towards um, understanding the needs of the, the members on the team, do a lot of work towards mental toughness training. I, uh, Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I heard Bill Belichick and his definition of mental toughness is that it's it's really doing what needs to be done, even though it's not what you want. And right now, we're all faced with kind of doing things that need to be done, even though it might not be the way we want to. We might not want to be on Zoom. We might not want to either work from home or or um, wear a mask or um, follow certain social distancing guidelines. But there are times when we can adapt to those, and that adaptation might allow that team to be more productive, to be more um, um, uh, either uh, responsible or you actually come together and maybe save the, the corporation itself. 
So this is a, a unique time for corporations to maybe take some of the um, elements of like a champion's mindset and try to infuse it. That's what we're doing, you know, in, in our setting, try to infuse it into ways that companies can, can harness the power of, I would say, mental toughness and, and grit and resilience and, and growth mindset and honestly fitness too. find ways that, that the benefits of fitness, fitness is a natural antidepressant, natural anti-anxiety. So we're, we're embedded in a corporate complex where we are developing ways that employees can can get their fitness um, training either uh, group wise or individually, you know, before, during, or after their um, workday, and optimize the the kind of on the job demands that they have. I would I, I kind of also want to say that this is a year, like Rob said, this is temporary, right? And being able to withstand a temporary level of adversity a temporary is, is time of of um difficulty isn't uncommon for humans even isn't even uncommon for athletes we've had plenty of examples of injuries a year-long two-year-long injuries in, in everyone's sport i'm sure both jillian and rob can speak to that we've had athletes over the years ted williams going to war ben hogan i think went to war and also was in a car accident muhammad ali was robbed of his prime for i think three years or so and they all came out of that better, better, you know, with, with, like Rob said, with a, with a new identity at some level and a new purpose and a, a new kind of energy towards the work that they want to do. So I think this is a time where both athletes and um, employees or, or corporate executives can learn how to create an advantage in difficult times. We, we have these lessons that, at our, Institute that we like to kind of boil down into like quick and easy memorable moments that they can use when they're in the midst of crisis. And one of our popular ones is ordeal to ideal. And it's basically reminding people you, you, you take an ordeal, which is really an arduous or, or a um, uh, bad situation, and you turn it into something that you love, turn it into something that you consider to be ideal. No one's saying that a, a, that a pandemic is ideal. But taking the mindset of, all right, this is what it is, and I'm going to make the best of this by doing this, this, and this. I am going to increase my motivation to succeed. I am going to not blame this environment. I'm going to beat it. I'm going to develop the confidence both to lead and to follow. I'm going to do what Bill Belichick said. If that's the case, I'm going to learn how to kind of fall in and submit to both uh, following the orders and directions of my group and doing whatever it takes for that group to be successful, even though it might not be my preference. Um, we like to create ways to make it a little more of a game so you can enjoy the thrill of the, the chase and, and whether it be sales numbers or maybe just even coming back to work for some organizations, being able to enjoy the, the effort and the, the um, uh, demands of that job and um, kind of always using probably the skills that you know got them there in the first place and um using this time to reinforce a lot of those and again um uh learn and appreciate and give some gratitude to the opportunity that we have in front of us all those things help create uh a mindset that hopefully defends us against um falling into levels of sadness and and um uh, anxiety and 
um, uh, hopelessness. Well said, well said, Mark. Um, I think that last piece on gratitude is a is a great segue into our last question. And um, Jillian, I'll, I'll I'll start with you, but I really would love all the panelists to um, to speak to this. Do you see any positives emerging from this time with respect to professional sports? And do you feel optimistic about the future, Jillian? Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, Mark spoke on so many different pieces that resonated with me about adversity and trying to, you know, take a situation that is not ideal and find ways to get better. You know, they say find a way, you either find a way or you find an excuse. And I think trying to have that mindset is helpful to get through some tough times. And I'm definitely optimistic about the, future because this these challenges have led people to to make new discoveries and creative ways and um innovative ways to uh, you know push their sport forward or whatever their industry is or you know if you ask most of us teachers back in february like i didn't even know what zoom was and so many of my older colleague teacher friends you know their tech skills they would describe them as weak. And now they're operating completely on a computer and gaining all these new skills. And so, you know, like Mark referenced, obviously it wasn't um, an ideal time for anybody, but taking that opportunity and taking that time to reflect and find ways to grow and get better and, um, you know, kind of take that challenge and adversity and, become a better version of yourself or gain new skills, it feels like that's happening for many individuals across different industries. And, um, and that ability to adapt is something that's a useful skill beyond. So, um, you know, I'm definitely hopeful for what's the other side of this is going to look like and all of the new changes and ways of adapting and becoming more creative. Um, you know, I think there's a, it, it required people to reflect and to think more deeply about how things are run and operated and, and find ways to improve that and um, get better. And I think that seeing that change and that growth um, for, you know, women's hockey is my experience and teaching is my experience. And I, whenever I do go back in the classroom with my students, I have this whole, um, you know, new new perspective on things and a new appreciation for being there with them. So I think having um, these new skills and having gotten better in different ways and having a deeper understanding and appreciation of what we love and what we do on a daily basis. Hopefully if we have that mindset and mentality after this, uh, you know, people will continue to, to find new ways to improve and adapt and have that gratitude. Thanks, Jillian. Mark, what would you add to that? Um, I think that was very well said. I think when it, I think it's very easy for us to to feel damaged, to feel harmed. And I think that's that's becoming a tendency to feel like you know how the the world or other people are affecting us, or maybe limiting us, or hurting us, and things like that. But that's not a good place to to be at right? To feel like you're, you're, uh, 
um, being compromised. There, there's a mindset of, all right, this is, you know, that, and it's not new. It's been able, people have been rolling with the punches and people have gone through really difficult, if not, um, tragic times in, in history and have, have been able to persevere and come through. And I, I don't think that uh, we're going to serve anybody well if if we feel like this is something that we have to just get through, like wait for it to end. I, I, we need to wake up every day trying to, to to make improvement. This is a great time for athletes to, if you're limited, you know, again, it's getting a Peloton, it's, it's finding new ways to train. It's this is a great time to do some of the things that a lot of athletes don't want to spend the time doing, which is work on fundamentals, work on a lot of footwork, work on a lot of things that a lot of times um, skill work that, you know, the elite ones do almost like repetitiously and, and almost religiously. But a lot of kids don't get a lot of chance to do that because their schedules are kind of more maybe kind of revolving around scrimmages and things like that. But it's also a way to for the athletes, I feel that they're they're, you know, scholastic or interscholastic sports are compromised it might be a way to start exploring you know postgraduate years in high school might be a way if you're a college athlete to explore maybe a, a graduate program that you weren't really thinking of but this might give you the chance to have another year of eligibility and to to kind of capitalize on that extra year and you know it doesn't work in everyone's favor and i totally understand that but there are certain benefits to maybe prolonging an athletic career that Otherwise, wouldn't be the case if it wasn't for this pandemic. Most athletes finish their career in high school. If you're fortunate, if you were able to go play in college, and mm -hmm. the, the the very rare, you know, uh, um, athletes are able to go play, like Jillian and Rob did it professionally. But if you can extend your athletic career and you can find ways to do that through um, what this situation might provide, that's a that's a wonderful opportunity. You don't want to peak in at 17 years old you know and your human body is going to peak you know well into its 20s so it might give you an extra year to to um uh, actually play the sport that you otherwise wouldn't have had and i would also encourage everybody to take back some of the control this thing ripped control from all of us and when you lose control of things you you know it becomes a little stressful it becomes a little threatening and that can breed a little anxiety or a lot of anxiety so if we can add control back if we can create a plan or how we're going to navigate the next few months into into next year. How we're going to structure our days and our routines and um, pull back, you know, some ownership of our lives. That's an that's a, another way that you can create advantages in these situations. And for everybody, whether it's an athlete or all of us that are in the professional world, we are competing against rivals. It could be. Our opponents. It could be players on our own team that want our position. It could be people in our own organization. It could be, um, you know, other corporations and, and companies or, you know, trying to sometimes for teachers, our competition is really how well can we do our job to educate these kids and can we do it better than others do? And that's kind of what fuels our motivation a lot of times. So we're still competing right now with others who have the same goal as we do. So focus on that competition and within the constraints of the pandemic and finding ways to create those um, moments, like Jillian said, to build skill and develop skill and to still grow through this. I think it's, it's a, it's a, it is what you kind of make it. And I'm not trying to minimize the severity of it. I understand 
the, the, the loss of life, the loss of jobs, the loss of safety and security. Um, but I also understand that the human body doesn't like to be in a state of pain. It's not designed to do that. So we need to find ways to um, uh, provide ourselves with a, a, either a mindset or a, a support structure or a, literally could just be a, a, a something to take our mind off of things like hobbies and activities and things like that. Passions that we can use to to uh, withstand this and come out the other side better. One of our big lessons that we also use is this this the three L's. It's leave, learn, and leverage. And for a lot of high achieving athletes, they have to leave stuff behind. They have to leave their bed early in the morning. They have to leave the some comforts in life. Sometimes they have to leave friend groups that they you know it's hard to leave. Sometimes they have to leave some behaviors that they don't want to leave. That's difficult. The ability to learn is difficult for a lot of people and the ability to leverage turning a bad situation into a good one, turn being down a certain amount of points in a game and actually saying, hey, this is this is where we play our best. Right. Or being a little injured and say, this is I, I play my best when, you know, kind of I get this little um, uh, uh, kind of adversity kind of thing could be bad weather, it could be anything. So when we can train ourselves mentally to overcome this. By being able to leave some of our old habits behind and develop new ones, being able to learn new ways of doing things and new ways of how we can be successful and being able to leverage this situation to work in our favor, even though that might be incredibly you know, difficult for a lot of people, that skill in itself, when this is over and it is temporary, you're going to come out of this, on the other side of this, a stronger human being than you went into it. And for that, it's almost like this delayed gratification that'll surely be there for a lot of people. Thank you, Mark. Rob, do you want to add anything? Yeah, I mean, I I think that, look, when you look at the history of time and in the past, you go back to our ancestors and the challenges that they had to overcome and what they were in place, like what was in place in their surroundings. and we all, as humans, we always seem to to come through it, and there's always the period of uncertainty. Um, and humans are always faced with a, a problem or some type of um, immediate issue that that has to be overcome. And I think really the human race always thrives because they are able to adjust to those uncertainties in their surroundings. So. I think for us as, as humans and, and moving forward, we're going to adjust. And that's what an athlete does is they adjust to the things that, that are around them. They evaluate, they, they make sure that they continue to grow. And, and I think for us as a society, we're going to move forward. We're going to be better. Um, this really, you got to look at it as what, what have we gained with this virus? Um, you know, look, I, I was home for two months with my parents. I have never been home for two months since I was in high school with my parents and the kids. And it was a beautiful time to have my, my mom be with the, the babies. And you have to look at the positive side of things. I know it's, you can be all doom and gloom, but eventually we're going to get back to normal. So you better be ready for it. And I think that there is going to be a progression here. We don't know the timeline, but I'm ready for it. I can't wait to get back to normal life. Um, but I just think that we're going to be okay. We're going to be fine. Um, 
but you just got to hold steady and, and hold tight and, and, and be, I guess, confident that if you, if you are confident in your abilities and you, and you maximize the things that you are given from God, you're going to be good and you're going to be all right. So, um, I think that's all I got. <laughs> well, certainly well said, Rob. I think we're all, we're all ready for it. Um, and, you know, truly appreciate everyone's comments today, Rob, Jillian, and Mark. Uh, it was spectacular having you on and sharing uh, your thoughts on this. And we covered a lot of interesting ground um, that. And thank you to all of our listeners. And and for those uh, that are listening to us, you know, be sure to subscribe to this channel. Uh, you know, we cover a lot of different insights on different and a range of topics ranging from health and wellness to philanthropy, family office, leisure, and wealth planning. Uh, you can also find us on uh, Apple, Spotify, or whatever, wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. I'd also suggest you check us out at bostonprivate.com. You can find our latest thinking, our white papers. You can subscribe to newsletters uh, and get all of this great thought leadership delivered right into your inbox. Uh, and that is it for today. Bye, everyone. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.